The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. EJ, it's Packers week. I mean, we broke our streak of great guests because we wanted to just focus this week on the Packers, and honestly, we didn't really want to bring a Packers guy in here because this series has been so lopsided lately, but I, I feel a change is coming. What about you? I hope so. It's an exciting game for the first time, or... I think the bears have a realistic chance to play well. Uh, You know, they always it's puncher's chance kind of thing, any given Sunday, but it feels different. And that's the change I feel is that, you know, they've got a shot. Do I expect them to win? No. Would I be surprised if they did also? No. And that's new. So um, yeah, that's got me feeling pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I've got a special beer because I apparently only bring on special drinks anymore. Uh, but it was my wedding anniversary recently, and my lovely wife gave me a uh, anniversary beer. And so this is pineapple upside down cake Berliner sour ale from <laughs> Weld Works Brewing Company, and uh, it is brewed with pineapple puree, almonds, milk sugar, vanilla, and vanilla cake mix. She does know you so well. She knows me so well. She knows you so well. I'm very excited about this. This is uh this is gonna be good. I'm it's from Greeley, Colorado. A lot of good beers coming out of Colorado. So um what do you have tonight? Uh I have an offering from Boulevard Brewing. Oh, not that far. Closer to me. Indeed. It is their whiskey barrel stout. This is, I believe, the last beer that I got from our uh, mutual friend and listener, Matt, when I met him. He was uh, the one that gave me the McAllen 12, but he also threw a couple of beers in there. And this one luckily was tucked in the bottom of the bag because I have been remiss. I have not been to the beer store of late, so I had some very meager offerings and i was like what am i gonna do and then i was digging through the bottom of the bag and i was like hey look at that i've got a boulevard whiskey stout i'm super excited so uh i've not had it yeah i've not had it before so i'm excited but let's get them open let's talk bears packer packers bears um i don't know are you a stickler about that i've been meaning to ask i always say bears packers but you know and darnell mooney certainly does as well well here's the thing order matters right sure because home team is always last. I, well, I mean, it's written last. Yes. 
Indeed. So this time it's Packers Bears. But I'm with Mooney and I stand Mooney for saying, uh, first off, it's Bears Packers. Well, it's alphabetical. Let's stick with that. Anyways, uh, yeah, should be a good game. So uh, let's. uh, Well, as we get into it, if you guys want to buy us a beer, there's an opportunity to do that now. We started a Patreon page. uh, Just mentioning that up front here. We've got four different levels. They start at the $1 level in honor of number one in the programs. Just a fist bump. Just get involved if you want to just support what we're doing. We've got a $5 level, a $15 level, and all the way up to the Peanut Tillman associate producer level of $33 um, if, if you uh, really want to support us. But uh, we, anybody that's considering this is, you know, we're already thanking you for that. Um, we've been asked this number of times over the years, how do I buy a beer? How do I, how do I support the show? This is your opportunity. We went out and set this up. We're really excited about it. We're going to set up our first happy hour um, very soon. Um, and so if that's something that interests you and want to get involved in that, check out that page. That's at uh, Bears Over Beers at Patreon. So uh, very excited about that and um, all of the other additional content that we get to hang out together and, uh, and, and, and create through this Patreon experience as well. Yeah, I can't thank folks enough. I recognized a very familiar name as one of our patrons. Yeah, our uh, newest patron. Yeah, our newest patron shares your last name. So yeah. big thanks. Big thanks to the Berkus clan for putting their money where their mouth is, which is awesome. Uh, but everybody, we've got uh, folks that are up at the tiers where we're going to start doing those private Q&As. Um, basically, not going to be a whole lot different than the show. We'll make it whatever you'd like, but it's us hanging out, having a beverage with you, um, talking ball. We may evolve that into watching games at some point or tape. Uh, if you're interested in that, we really just want to reward you uh, for supporting us in a in a really viable way and can't thank everybody enough. If you can't do it, don't feel lesser. Uh, you know, we're happy for any way you support the show and that's listening, whether it's audio only checking out the new YouTube posts that we're putting up this year. Uh, any way that, you know, comments through Windy City, it's all good. And we appreciate everybody who engages with us, gives us ideas, gives us feedback, whether it's good or bad. Um, we're here for it because we're here to talk about the bears and have a good time doing it. And folks have resonated to that. So we're, uh, we're happy you're all there. Absolutely. So let's get into this. We basically decided that what we would do today was we would talk about what happens when, what needs to happen for the bears when the Packers are on offense. And then we'll flip that around. We'll talk about what needs to happen when the bears are on offense. And then we've each got three players to watch for this game guys that we just think uh, need to have a particularly good game or step up in a key situation for the Bears to be able to pull off the upset. So let's start with Packers on offense. So I think we have to start with Devontae Adams and his dominance through the league the last couple of years. And he just put up over 200 yards, I think, last week. Like he's he's obviously at a ridiculous level with Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, I think we need to just – it's not just Aaron Rodgers. Devonte Adams has a real stake at the best wide receiver in the league. So this is going to be a challenge for Jalen Johnson and that Bears secondary. Absolutely, and they have to. Devonte Adams is the guy that stirs that offense's drink. Aaron is the guy that distributes the ball, and he's very good at that. But he's got a guy who is almost always open. Every receiver in the league will tell you they're always open. Devontae actually is almost always open. There are very few plays where he's shut down and not 
a very good option, which is why he's got so many receiving yards is because if he's open, Aaron's going to throw him the ball. They have a, a really solid connection that's selling it short. They have a, an unnatural connection and they almost read each other's minds. They've been playing together long enough that just a nod and a wink gets them in the right spot and they can fit the ball into very tight spaces. If you stop Adams, you you stand a much better chance against the Packers. And by stop, I mean slow down a little bit. I, yeah, mean, I mean speed bump. 70 yards would be like an amazing win. Amazing. And I, I have a question for you. Now, yep. we don't know how Sean Desai is going to play this. We don't know. You know, the, We can only take a guess here. We're very early in the Sean Desai experience. You know, Jalen Johnson's playing incredibly well. He's playing at, absolutely at a, at a cornerback one level. You know, right now, I think he's playing at a Pro Bowl level in terms of what his passer rating against when he's thrown at. Like, he's he's doing incredible stuff right now. Do you think that the Bears defense will try to just say, all right, Jalen, follow Devontae around? Or would you take Jalen and try to put him on a different receiver and then bracket Devonte with two guys, sort of that old Bill Belichick. You know, you, you use your best corner on their second receiver, and then use two of your other corners uh, against the best receiver. I think the answer is both. I don't know that Desai is going to travel Jalen Johnson. I believe he's probably going to stick him on one side. Does that mean he's always going to be in solo coverage? I would be shocked if they didn't use a hearty combination of two corners, a corner and a safety, a corner and two safeties in dime, uh, a solo corner, you know, one-on-one straight up. They're going to give Jalen Johnson some reps against Devontae Adams. And the whole idea, I think, for Sean Desai is to give multiple looks and not let Aaron know, certainly not by pre-snap alignment, what's coming. Because if that's the case, you're doomed. I don't care what kind of defense you're running. If he knows definitively before the snap exactly what you're running you're doomed he's too good he's too smart he's too athletic he's too experienced he's gonna eviscerate you if that's the case so Sean Desai's job is to change up that coverage as much as he can without giving up the -the over-the-top shots because those are the backbreakers if you give up a 75-yard touchdown to Devontae Adams in this game it's gonna be a tough game to win and I do mean one right if you give up a freebie that's three quarters of the field you put your offense in a much tougher spot. They're already going to have a a tough day against a decent defense. We'll talk about that later, but you can't give up the freebies. So it's that balance between, Hey, we've got to be multiple. We've got to disguise our intentions. We've got to play some straight up. We've got to kind of, you know, it's like a a boxer, right? Can't always throw the same punch. You got to, got to keep them off balance, but you can't do too much of that to the point where the defense has a break in coverage because, oh, is it this play where I've got him or you've got him and he goes 70 yards? You just sunk your chances. Yeah, there's been a little bit too much of that, at least in the first few weeks, where there was just miscommunication. It seems like that's been you know corrected a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, winning certainly <laughs> masks all that stuff. But I, I think I don't know what I would do. I, I, you know, you're kind of saying kind of keep, maybe keep Jalen on him and have help, which might be the right answer, right? Like kind of throw your best at him and hope that Rogers wants to just, you know, make him beat you with Robert Tanyan and make him beat you with, 
uh, you know, Marcus Valdez Scanling, right? Like make him beat you with the other weapons. And, and, and you know, if you're going to lose, you know, don't lose to Devontae Adams because he's just deadly. So, but let's, let's talk about Rogers. We already kind of talked about him. Let's, let's talk about him specifically. Cause I'm, you know, this whole off season, the Rogers drama was, you know, is, is he trying to force a trade? You know, there was that uh, leaked report on draft night where, you know, he, you know, he wanted out. He doesn't like their GM. You know, he has no interest in playing. He was going to, you know, drag it. You know, he dragged that out all off season. Kind of felt like maybe he was going to go to Denver. I wonder, you know, in a few years when we get to know the full story, if Denver really thought they were getting Aaron Rodgers and that's why they didn't take Justin Fields. Like, I don't know. Like, it, you know, all of this is kind of interesting. But in the end, He's back, and yeah, he started off rough week one. He hasn't maybe been as dominant of an Aaron Rodgers in you know in the first five weeks of the year as as we've seen of him in the past. But he still has plenty of those fire breathing dragon moments, and you can't let him have any extra time on the clock. If this was ever a time for you to get your clock management stuff figured out and and draw the clock down to zeros at, at the at the halves. This is the time because how many times has he used 30 seconds on the clock to drive the length of the field to, to kick a field goal or to get a touchdown? So what have you seen when you've gone back and rewatched Rodgers? You know, what have you seen from him from his MVP level last year? And, you know, where is he at now? Do you think he's getting into the groove or wh- where are you thinking with Rodgers right now? Yeah, it's a great question because I don't think any player stays at exactly the same level year to year. And he was definitely playing at a higher level last year. He was unconscious uh, at the end of last year. He he kind of couldn't miss. He definitely started off looking a little bit more fallible. And let's couch that by saying more fallible for Aaron Rodgers, which is a different level um, than most other quarterbacks will ever achieve. But there were those missed throws and they stick out because it's Aaron Rodgers. And you're right. like, man, why did he not hit that? Why was that ball in the dirt? You know, where's the miscommunication there? And some of it was that and some of it was just getting on the same page, which, again, largely returned his cast of receivers. Didn't have a huge amount of turnover. Um, added a couple of new, well, one new old face and one new new face who, uh, you know, Rodgers is famously um, not hardy on rookie production. So Amari Rodgers hasn't really figured in yet. Um, I think he will over time, but that's a, a kind of right you earn with Aaron Rodgers. But what I've seen as he's sort of uh, mellowed out over the first few weeks of the season or maybe gotten closer to what average really is for him is less of those missed throws, but a lot of focus on Adams there, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of last year, if you took away Adams, which a lot of defenses tried to do, they were like, just what you said, we're not going to let Devontae beat us. So they bracketed him all game. He was he was never without high-low. Uh, and sometimes with a kind of robber or third helper hanging out. Uh, and when that was the case, look, Rodgers is going to distribute the ball. That's why you saw Tanyan, you know, lead the league in tight end touchdowns. Uh, it's it just, he was good enough to do that. And now he doesn't seem as willing to go off Adams as quickly and he doesn't seem as quick to exploit what might be other receivers open. He's still doing it. Those guys are still getting catches, but the bias of the Packers offense is like Devonte, 
Right. And then if I really have to, I'll sprinkle it around as opposed to that level he was at that you asked me about last year in the last third of last year. Like if you had a guy that was open by a half step, he was going to hit him wherever he was on the field. And there, there just wasn't anything you could do about it. He was a terminator. He's not at that level this year, but he is sort of regressing, if you want to call it that, or, or smoothing out towards that mean. Uh, but there are chances here. You're catching him early enough in the season that he's not at that, you know, just completely firebomb the opposition level. So if he has one of those days where he misses a couple, which is uncharacteristic for him, or God forbid, actually throws one up for grabs, which he almost never does. His interceptable passes rate is really low. You got a chance and you're going to have to take advantage if you're going to beat him because look, the, the bears are playing as, as dogs here and rightfully so. Um, but they're going to need to make the most of those opportunities if they get them. Yeah. Rogers has been growing his hair out and he, he looks, has a certain look to him and people have been putting him in memes with uh, other people that have been arrested for uh, stealing catalytic converters. And I cannot get it out of my head because it's a dead on ringer. Just like he just <laughs> from a, from a physical look standpoint, I do not understand what he's trying to achieve. Someone said it's a, uh, Halloween outfit that he's preparing for, but I don't know, man. Um, I'm hoping that he starts to play uh, like that and not the fire breathing <laughs> dragon that we have uh, seen him. Um, I want to. I want to talk one more piece on the this when the Packers have the ball, and that's their offensive line versus this Bears defensive line because right now the front seven of the Bears is really good. I mean, this is coming through everything that we wanted. Travis Gibson is emerging. Khalil Mack is you know playing with absolute fire. Robert Quinn looks fully recovered from whatever was bothering him last year, and he is just a menace off the edge. Akeem Hicks is hurt. He probably won't play, right? I think he's 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 probably down. He, he might play. But there's been enough other guys that have stepped up and 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 filled that role well that this this front seven is just playing at an incredible level. Now the Packers offensive line and the pass has been pretty good, but you know, where are they at right now from what you've seen? And, and, you know, where do the Bears defensive line match up to be able to heat Rodgers up a little bit uh, to try to cover up the secondary? That's going to be, you talked earlier about what Sean Desai is going to do in coverage. And and I almost answered, he's going to rush. Yeah, right. He's, he's going to need to, like, that is the thing right now. And we talked, uh, we talked about it a lot uh, before the season that the Bears secondary is largely undermanned. Eddie Jackson is not playing a whole lot better than he did last year. Um, you know, the other secondary spots been rotating. It's been Gibson, some Bush, some, and, you know, Bush played, I think better than expected, better than he has in the past in any kind of extended action, but still, uh, you know, not a guy that you're going to match up one-on-one against a, even a really good number two. And Jalen Johnson's kind of their only guy. Kendall Wilders played okay in stretches. He's been burned badly in stretches. Duke Shelley's played pretty well close to the line and generally more poorly down the field, but he's had a few stretches where he's played okay. Hasn't been consistent, and if you expose that kind of inconsistency to Aaron Rodgers without a pass rush, he's going to kill you. He is literally going to gut you on national television. The Bears' rush has covered up so many ills because they are playing so good. Right. <laughs> They're the opposite of the secondary, right? They're they're getting to the quarterback multiple different ways very quickly. It has not yet become predictable. I think maybe because it is so different than what Pagano was doing with a lot of the same pieces, but 
you can't account for things like Robert Quinn last year was really hurt. Like that right. is my only explanation is yeah, his, the only thing that makes sense. His injury was really bad. He just signed a huge deal and he didn't want to kind of go great. I'll take your money and sit. So he tried, but he, he was at no more than about 60% of what we're seeing now, which really looks like the Robert Quinn that Chicago went out and signed um, to a, let's call it what it is, a big money deal. He's back to elite bend, elite quickness off the snap, playing well against the run and the pass. And that is that balance on the offensive line. Even with Hicks out, um, Khalil Mack is getting more opportunities because you can't just go, okay, double or two and a half times team Mack. Oh, no, that that leaves Quinn, you know, solid up sometimes with the tight end. That's not a matchup that's working for opposing offenses right now. They're getting punished when they do that. And then you've got guys like Nichols on the inside. Gibson's been a revelation. He really hit that sophomore bump, uh, and he's been incredibly productive. So the rush is covering up all the ills right now. Right. And the Packers line is a little susceptible, right? Bakhtiari's not in there. The sort of classics. The interior's been playing pretty well. And not surprising, they've got folks that can do that there, but there've been a lot of shifts. Their tackles aren't great. And right now the Bears are bringing really good pressure off the edge. It's a favorable matchup for the Bears front seven against the Packers O-line. And it's, they're going to have to play well. They're going to have to play like killers. They're going to have to play just possessed football. Because again, if you give Aaron Rodgers a lot of time for many downs against that secondary I can't believe he's going to miss that many. He's going right. to. Yep. I think that's <clears throat> definitely what I'm looking for. I'm looking for what are the Packers going to try to do to slow down this Bears pass rush? Are they going to try to do max protect? Are they going to, you know, always be keeping in a running back, you know, and, and not put them out on the pattern? What, you know, what is it? Are they going to just basically try to run <laughs> Devontae Adams as one of the only wide receivers, you know, out and just yeah. kind of keep everybody in? Or what are they going to try was... to do here? If I was Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, I would uh, I would have my head on a swivel this week yeah. because uh, the tight ends have been chipping viciously. There was a really nasty one against San Francisco where they caught Nick Bosa. Uh, it was Tanyan caught Nick Bosa and buried him. We put him up for uh, bootleg shot of the week on the bootleg football podcast, Tanyan, because he absolutely just blindsided Bosa. Same thing happened to his brother, uh, different team, but uh, Nick Chubb got Joey on Sunday. Same thing. Uh, basically a tight slot alignment just far enough out that the the end's not looking. He goes, takes about a half step and gets annihilated. So if I was Quinn and Mac, I'd be looking for that because it's probably coming. Um, Mac, not so worried about it. He can, he can hold his own against stuff like that. We've seen it in the past. Uh, Quinn, especially with the speed base, like he's got to be not so worried about the twitch and really looking at guys like Tanya and, and Lazard out of the corner of his eye because they're, they're going to be coming on those chips. Um, so they're going to try that. You know, you've got AJ Dillon playing significant snaps at running back. He's big enough to be a solid threat in pass protection. And it's weird to call a, you know, a guy in pass protection, a threat <laughs> as an, you know, an offensive offensive player in pass protection. But you know, that guy's 240 built like a tree stump. Like he can get in the way pretty well. Um, so I wouldn't doubt that they'd give Rogers a little bit of protection because I don't think you're going to see a ton of empty, right? If the Packers go empty, Rogers has got to get it out quick. 
and again, Desai might disguise. I hope he does, you know, against an empty look, look like they're going to bring zero and then, you know, drop everybody but three guys and just clog the pass lanes and hope that those rushers who are playing so efficiently can get there. Um, and I think they might be able to off the outside. So it'll be a fascinating matchup all day long on the outsides. Um, on the inside, we're going to talk about a matchup when we get to the Bears on offense that I think is uh, equally fascinating when the tables are turned. Why don't we do that? But let's take a quick break first. And on the other side of this, we'll get into when the Bears have the ball. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, EJ, we're back. So let's talk about when the Bears have the ball. So I want to start first with Justin Fields because all conversations really should start with the young quarterback, right? What do you think that you've seen a little bit of development in his first couple of starts? And where do you think we can expect the Bears to have him by Sunday against the Packers? That's a great question. Probably the development I've seen that I'm most encouraged by and least surprised by at the same time is his familiarity, his recognition. He has tremendous, almost photographic memory. He proved that all through the pre-draft process. Everybody that talked to him said he, you know, he's one of those guys when you put him on the whiteboard, he understands it at a level and can communicate. You've even seen it in his press conferences, right? When a reporter says, so why didn't this work? He will tell you exactly why it didn't work, what he was at, what he thought was, he's sort of fearless in that way. And I love that saying, no, I thought I could squeeze up all in there. Like I expected this to be open for a half second longer. Guys are faster. It was my bad. Like I thought I could get it in. I couldn't like, I'm cool with mistakes like that. Those are good rookie mistakes. If there are such a thing, he's continued to make those, but he's made less of them, which I'm not surprised by at all. And you can see it start to speed up a little bit. The, the knock on Justin Fields coming out was when the game got really tight. And I mean, tight physically in the pocket, when things started to compress, he played a little bit slower. There were other quarterbacks in this draft that played a little bit quicker. They rush when that happens. Fields is kind of guy that kind of slows down in that situation. And that's his, that's just a natural tendency. He's going to have to overcome. And when he played the best in college was when he had the most understanding of his opponent, um, and was understanding what they were doing either before they did it or right as they were doing it. So he wasn't playing catch up because when he's playing catch up at the speed of the NFL, it looks more like Cleveland. And we all talked about Cleveland being, you know, a nightmare scenario because the line didn't protect and the receivers didn't get open. And, you know, he didn't have a lot of time with the the number ones. I've seen that process slow down and clear up for him. He's doing that on less downs. Now the scheme has been a lot better provided him with a lot more clear opportunities, but he's hit them. And if he can continue along that path, honestly, for the rest of the season, I'm not, I don't even need a huge amount of acceleration in the, in the growth. If you can show me the growth over the last two games and project that out for the rest of the games this season, he's going to be in a really good place. 
he's in a decent place now. And that's the whole reason we're talking about this as a winnable game is he presents a threat and the things he's best at are not quick game. We talk a lot of quarterback oh, yeah. and we say quick game is the thing, right? Quick game is where you need to get him comfortable. Quick game is not his thing. His thing is if, you know, I, the strategy is, I think, max protect and let him throw deep because he is a very good deep ball thrower and he knows when to throw it and when not to throw it. He's also physically a very good deep ball thrower. And you're going to get some chunk plays. And they tried. They didn't hit a ton of those against Las Vegas, but they hit some of them. And they definitely took four, five, six schemed up deep shots. And they're going to continue to do that. Um, he's starting to develop a, a better relationship, I think, with Allen Robinson, which is really good. Um, the running game was a huge support. We're going to have yeah. to see that again. Um, but really fields is making better decisions in a schemed up offense that is catering more to his strengths. And he's just doing it more often. If he can keep on that path, you know, two thumbs up, he's going to be in great shape. Let's talk about that because one of the things I wanted to mention was, you know, this running game, and there's definitely a change in approach here of, of how they're blocking it. They're they're definitely putting their offensive linemen in advantageous situations here. And this grinding out of like six, seven yard gains is great. You're staying ahead of schedule, staying ahead of the sticks. The other thing that does is like, oh my God, he's under center, which awesome. And then play action fake. Like the play action fake just works a little better when you're under center. And he's really good at that. He, you know, he is able to execute the fake. He hits his back foot. And he's willing to go deep. He's willing to take the shot. Those play action fakes are, are huge for Justin Fields and his development. We know he can do that well. Everybody says, like, well, let's do what he does well. He's really fast. Like, run with him. He's like, well, that's not really what he is. He's not a runner. He can run, but he's not Lamar, right? And he's not one of these guys that needs to just use that athleticism. What he tries to do is he, he to me, he's like Russell Wilson, where he's trying to buy time so that he can throw the ball down the field. Now, if it's open then yes, he needs to like have that trigger and go. There was one, I think it was the one that he actually hurt his knee on where he, he probably just needed to go. And he because he hesitated and he was trying to make something happen, he, you know, he put himself in danger. And so th those things, obviously, you hope he learns from. But I think it all fits together to try to put him in this best position. He's not like some of these other quarterbacks that we've seen. He is a guy that his best trait is his deep ball accuracy and how he works under center in the play action game. Yeah, I would agree with you with a modification. Okay. And it's it's still agreeing with you. Like the everybody said the national media was blaring last week. Justin's fast, Justin's big. Like design some quarterback runs and I put out a tweet that I said I think Bill Lazor heard that and like sent an intern down to 7-11 to get to some quarterback runs because they didn't look good. Right. The designed quarterback runs against Las Vegas were a cluster. Right. Like it was like, well, somebody said we had to run, so we're going to do this. And look, some offensive coordinators, maybe Bill Lazor would be my guess, aren't really nuanced in the quarterback RPO run game. Like that's not their strength. Look, he dealt with Andy Dalton for a long time. He was not dialing up a lot of RPO for right. Andy Dalton because not that Andy Dalton's a bad athlete. He's not, but that's not his game. Like you don't want Andy Dalton with nine carries a game. I don't like, I don't think right. that's a great idea. So right. he doesn't have a lot of familiarity, especially not recently with that. Maybe he doesn't his past, but again, the RPO game has grown leaps and bounds over the last five to 10 years. So if he wasn't doing it 
you know, in the last five to 10 years, he really hasn't been doing it at the sort of modern level. Now, Fields can run that, right? Especially out of the pistol, half shotgun back to his side. We saw some, a bunch of success against Las Vegas running the ball. And when you're getting push and when you're getting success, opening holes and running the ball, RPO from pistol becomes extremely dangerous. And Justin's run plenty of that. Yeah, I can see that. I, I what I what I'd like to see is you know some rolling pockets, but like put pressure on the edge with his speed and have a guy have a defender be wrong, right? Have the defender either step up to take him and he pops it over the the top uh, for a nice game, or have that defender carry the receiver and he has the open space to run. Like that's that's how I want to see him run. I don't necessarily think, like you said, maybe it's just because those those design runs were so sloppy. And they, they were really just, look, they looked like student body left. They looked like the, a middle school with the uh, quarterback, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was just like three right. guys in a bunch and Justin with the ball yeah. going, okay, guys, protect me. Like, it, I was like, oh, what was that supposed to be? Because whatever it was, wasn't that, or maybe it was, and that's even worse. But a good RPO game, especially with a little bit of middle pressure, because you're doing the exact same thing. You're just doing it a different way. You're, you're putting a defender in conflict. And if you run a little bit of pre-snap motion and you run an RPO out of pistol, if you do it correctly, and again, execution is key, you're putting especially the inside backer in a position that's completely untenable. No matter what he right. does, he's wrong. You just have to make the right choice based on what he does or doesn't do. If he goes after the dive, right, you hold it and he can't go two ways at once. And he's committed to you and the running back. And if he commits to that running back, if he shades, Look, Justin's going to destroy up the middle. The first thing he's going to see is a safety, and that's going to be eight, nine, ten yards deep. Like that's the way an offense can make a living with Justin Fields. And maybe that's it. So you know, uh, the the idea of having a quarterback do these runs is that you you believe that you're changing the math. Like you are you are able Absolutely. to have more on uh, numbers in your favor. And some of those runs were like, well, we have you know six against five, right? So we have the and it's like. I, I want like two V one, you know, or, or, or one V zero, right? Like I don't, I want smaller numbers because I want him to be able to use that speed and athleticism. This isn't like a big back, you know, where I, so I think it's about wanting, you know, smaller, you know, fewer people in on both sides of the equation and flipping the math rather than being like, well, we got, you know, we got the advantage by one over here, but you know, it's six blockers against five because it gets muddied up. And you're, you still have too much uh, traffic there. Yeah, it's spacing and execution. It's right. no different than the passing game when you put three receivers to a side and you know maybe they've got two short defenders and one deep and you go, okay, we're going to run levels here. But two of your receivers run basically the same route, end up in the same space and effectively are covered by one player. Yeah, you right. had a numbers advantage, but you didn't use it. And that's what those running plays looked like was, Hey, we got more guys and we bunched them all up in the corner and they could have <laughs> yeah. been, you know, they could have been penned in by about three guys. And even right. though there were six of them, so they weren't efficient. They didn't do what you want. Again, a guy like Justin Fields to do, which is, is just bait that linebacker. Like, go ahead, like stay, right. stay in the hole. I'll give it to, I'll give it to Williams all day long. Right. But the one time you don't, I'm, you know, 230 pounds and I run about a four, three, four, four. So, you know, it's going to be eight to 10 yards before I see anybody. Cause you're the only one in the hole and we both know it. Right. So right. do what you're going to do. And then if you add pre-snap motion and snap with the guy in motion, it adds another level of complexity. And if you do it right, 
the inside linebacker cannot be right. Right. Like that's the idea. Now it's an art to do it that way. Maybe Bill Lazor isn't familiar with that art. And so maybe he just should run to his strengths and say, Hey, that's not my game. You know, I'm fine with that too. It protects fields from some extra hits, uh, which I'm not opposed to after some of the hits he took in Vegas. So, you know, it's, it's whatever you're good at, but there's a potential there for those to be a sort of back pocket play that could be really devastating. What about the running backs? Because obviously we saw a lot of juice here from the two backup running backs. I, I mean, it was fun. That was a fun game to watch. It was good, wasn't it? Well, it was great, right? I mean, I know, like, hey, we're talking about runs in 2021, but like, yeah. it was, it was nice. Like, I, I, you know, I thought the guards played incredibly well. They got a lot of push. Uh, obviously, Daniels... isn't it funny when you let big ornery guys go <laughs> beat weird? the hell out of people right. that they look like they're having a good time? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I, I think that's a key here to keep that going. And and I don't know that this is something that Green Bay's defense, I mean, th- this is an okay bunch, you know? I mean, they've got some really good players. I mean, Clark's great, but, but you know, this isn't overall like a, a world-beating unit at this point. And so, you know, this to me seems like this has to keep going. Like th- this has to be the key for the Bears offense while Justin Fields develops is that you have to keep this running ba- running game going. I would absolutely agree just because of the balance. And I don't mean balance in yards or even balance in efficiency. I mean like a physical balance, like weights on a scale balance. Having offensive linemen go forward as opposed to having them go backwards all game is just good for them. Like it was good for the Bears. It was good for them. They got to impose some punishment uh, on second level defenders, uh, famously James Daniels caught Perriman in the air after he sort of jumped to maybe possibly avoid a cut that he'd experienced earlier. And Daniels just grabbed him around the thigh pads and said, okay. Um, but having those guys go for it, they look like different players. If you put on like the week two tape and look at the guards and you put on the Las Vegas tape and look at the guards, you wouldn't I mean, if you'd taken the numbers off, you, you wouldn't even say those are the same two players. And they are. So they're effective. They're winning. They're moving people. They're making holes with regularity. And you said, oh, we're talking about runs in 2021. If you're being efficient with your runs and mixing them in, they're doing exactly what you want them to. You're getting to dole out some punishment. You're making space. You're making a defense hesitate on its pass rush because they don't know if James Daniels is coming after them in full froth or whether he's going to stand up, back up, and try and protect Justin Fields. So there's that little bit of hesitation. You're buying yourself some space, especially on the play-action fakes because those are legit now. Hey, is this going to be an eight-yard run if I play it soft like the pass? Or am I going to bite? and say, no, I'm coming downhill, you don't get to run, and then I just made two yards of extra space behind me where Justin can hit a little hook route, crossing route, whatever. Um, I would love to see, oh, this is just my little, I'm going to call a mini shot here. I would love to see that running game continue, and then I would love to see a Texas route to Khalil mm-hmm. Herbert. Like, I want a Texas route to Khalil Herbert bad. <laughs> like because <laughs> He's good in the short passing game. He's a lot of quickness. We saw that he has elusiveness, but like get him out, get him the two way go, cut him into that space where the backers have vacated because they came in on the PA. And oh, all right, describe a Texas route. Ah, uh, yes, for our listeners who don't know what a Texas route is, it has a bunch of names. It's basically an angle route out of angle, the backfield. Right. 
Um, running back starts next to the quarterback, goes right out after one edge, hits a 90 and goes to the middle. Now, a lot of offenses will run it as a two-way go, which means when the running back gets to the decision point, if the defender playing against him is playing with inside leverage, he'll continue to carry it outside and flatten it to the to the boundary, basically. If they're playing him straight up and he thinks he can get a momentum advantage because he knows where he's going and the defender doesn't, if he catches the defender flat-footed, basically, usually cuts that back to the inside. Runoff play action, you've again drawn the the run defender the gap defender into their gap and you've made space you run other routes to basically keep the safeties and corners out of that middle area and you get a running back with a ball in space maybe six seven yards over the line and a full head of steam if you do it right and it it can go for some really nice gains as as a part of an offense that's running well you need to be able to run well um, or at least have viable play action we can talk about that, but the bears were getting it done on the ground against Las Vegas in a way that they really haven't all year. First game looked pretty good. I think Las Vegas had more balance, more holes. You saw great contributions from both backs, which, you know, we applauded the depth at running back. There are a lot of places on this team where we didn't and don't applaud the depth running back. They did right last year. They lead back and Tariq Cohen, Tariq Cohen got hurt and they had, nothing after Montgomery got dinged up or tired or whatever else this year, Montgomery gets dinged up. They went out, they got a guy who was really fresh, took a year off last year for COVID was familiar with the offense from Kansas city and was really productive when he was there, both in the running game, the passing game, you saw all that on display in Las Vegas. And then they go out and draft Khalil Herbert to really be look, if Tariq Cohen was going to be healthy, they'd be four deep, but they're solidly three deep in the running back room. And you need that in the NFL because even with, less emphasis on the running game, less punishment being doled out to running backs. It's a high wear position. Guys are going to get, you know, banged up knees. We saw Saquon Barkley twist his ankle really badly. Like it just happens at that position. And now it doesn't really matter for the bears. You've got a one, two punch that's working incredibly well because you prepared for it. And there's no real loss. If you bring in Williams or Herbert, like they're both equally dangerous. They're both ripping off nice chunks, playing decently in the short passing game. Like your offense continues. You don't need to neck the playbook down at all. And that was, that was really significant for the bears in Las Vegas. Yeah, they're fun. I mean, I, I liked Herbert from the beginning. Uh, you know, I saw him in camp and I, I know I've mentioned it a couple of times. I just, I got excited about him. I was tweeting about him back, back in August when we were at camp and he just looks like a guy that belonged and it, it's exciting to see him get some run and, and do well. And, and obviously Williams has done really well too. I mean, this is a guy that probably should have been Super Bowl MVP. Right. And you know, he's, he's got some juice and they're fun to watch. I, I mean, I'm a bears fan. I like running game. <laughs> Like, what can I say? <laughs> like, shoot me, you know, but yeah. it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun to watch when it gets going. And, and you're right. That that's only good for the offensive line, but I want to move on to the three players that we want to kind of key in on here. And I, you know, we each pick three different guys. I want to start with uh, my guy on offense and that's Allen Robinson, because before the year I thought, all right, even if it's Andy Dalton, if it's Justin Fields, this is going to be the best quarterback that has ever played with, with a Rob. And so he, he's going to, you know, he's in line for a big year. That has not happened so far. He just does not have the catches. He doesn't have the yards. He doesn't have anything going right now. I know a lot of that's just this offense just struggled. They're trying to figure it out. They're building this now with Justin Fields. He may not have been, you know, getting the attempts that I had imagined if he was going to get these early starts. So that's part of it. But 
he is just just not getting enough targets and he's just not getting enough catches and to really be able to make a big impact on the game. And I think in a game like this, you're going to need your, your your wide receiver one to do something to actually establish himself. Because right now, if you just look at the numbers, it sure looks like Mooney's the wide receiver one right now. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I'm a little bit surprised uh, because the Bears, again, did a pretty good job at depth with wide receiver. We can talk about the handling of A-Rod's contract situation for next year, all we want. But for this year, you're going in with A-Rod, Mooney, who looked to be ascending and has proved that, yes, that was the case. They get rid of Anthony Miller, uh, which I think is addition by subtraction based on the up and down games he had. The up games were great. The down games were terrible and really kind of kicked the tires out from underneath the offense. They go out and get Demir Bird, who I really like as a complimentary piece. They get Marquise Goodwin to add some speed. Those guys have been ghosts. Like, it hasn't even been the case where largely they've been open and they didn't throw it to him, which was the classic sort of rallying cry for Bears offense or Bears quarterbacks over the last couple of years. They've just been absent without leave. Like, we just haven't seen them at all, and I'm I'm really surprised by that. Also surprised by Arab's downturn in production. Um, not really sure, but Mooney is the de facto wide receiver one right now. If you look at production, if you look at targets, if you look at success, uh, and I'm okay with that because we know Arab can be that. And I'm with you. I would like to see him step up. I would like to be, see them be able to go sort of equally to either side of the field to be able to spread those guys out or put them in bunch on the same side of the field and really put a defense in conflict. Say, Hey, we got two of the top receiving threats on the same side. What are you going to do? Um, and I think they do have enough range of skill, both of them, that it's not like, well, Mooney's going to go deep and Arab's going to run a hook, so we know what they're doing. You can reverse that and still have success. Um, they'll win the ball in different ways, but I've been surprised by that. I'd like to see him step up. Uh, the Packers' secondary is not infallible. Uh, they, too, are dealing with some injuries, so you know it's a chance just doesn't seem like that relationship is really developed and look justin didn't get to run with the ones for a long time and this is one of the reasons why he should have right you know because that relationship that understanding we talked about that between adams and rogers that's just there that understanding of where are you going to throw it in this situation what do you want me to do do you want me to break it off do you want me to extend it they're still figuring out all that subtext and we're seeing it in live game action. They're getting more of those reps in practice. I'd be really interested to see how that connection looks in practice and be one of the great things about having press access is like, what, what does that look like during the week? Is it just not happening because of game plan or is it as strained as it looks on Sundays, you know, uh, Tuesday through Friday? Uh, so not to be known, but look, Allen Robinson's a pro. He's a good player. He is making catches. It's not that he's playing soft. He's, you know, he's playing hard. Opportunities haven't been there. Would I like to see him increase? Yeah. Do I think that'll help the Bears' chances? Generally, yeah. Don't stop throwing it to Mooney to try and force it to A-Rob, but spread it around. When he's there and he gets one-on-ones, throw him the ball. Those are not 50-50 balls typically, right? Those are closer to like 70-30 balls. And um, I just don't think that trust is there. That those kind of throws take a lot of trust from a quarterback, especially a young quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a guy on offense you wanted to mention? Yeah, I've got a couple. I'm going to go with H's. Uh, I can't okay. Remember. Jesper Horstead. 
how long have I been saying Jesper Horstead would make a nice complimentary receiving threat? I don't think he's tight end one. I don't think he's ever going to be tight end one. I don't care. He's right. a valuable player to get on the field in this passing game to bring them another dimension. He's shown it in the preseason the last couple of years, been sort of banging the table saying, hey, like Jesper Horstead could be a threat. Get some plays for him. Not a ton. Get him in for five, ten plays. I, I'm not talking about five or ten targets. I'm talking about five or ten plays with maybe two or three targets. Sure enough, Justin Fields' first ever pro touchdown goes to Jesper Horstead. Right? He at that point had played not even one quarter of football and had more touchdowns than Cole Komet <laughs> and Jimmy Graham combined. So I'm going to stamp mm. that as a win. I'm going to say keep him in the lineup, keep him active. Right? People always oh, blocking. I'm like, have you? You don't bring him in to block. Have you seen Jimmy Graham block? You're right. not you're not losing a lot by replacing basically de facto Jimmy Graham with Jesper Horstead. Please do it. Um, and the other one's Khalil Herbert. We already talked about him, but he sh- he didn't look out of place at all. He looked ready to go, and that's not terribly surprising because running back is one of the positions where if you're athletic, that athleticism translates more quickly than almost any other position on the field. If you can get pass pro down and Khalil Herbert's a decent pass protector, he is not deficient in that area. If you can get pass pro down, you can play really well as a rookie, as a running back. We've seen it over and over and over again. And he came in and again, there was no drop off between a guy that you said probably should have been Super Bowl MVP and a guy that's played like three pro games. Um, so I'm looking for Khalil Herbert to kind of look around, watch the tape last week and go, yep, I got it. I can handle my business. Like keep giving me the carries and a 50, 50 split would be nice. Keep them both fresh. Um, and it, it's not like you have two really different runners, right? It's not like one guy's a power back and one guy's just the guy that's going to be catching passes. Their skill sets are similar. And I think that's a real advantage for the bears because the defense can't key off. Okay. Here comes Herbert. It's going to be a pass, right? Or, Oh, here comes Williams. It's going to be between the tackles. No, they can, they can both do very similar things. So there isn't any sort of indication just based on personnel, which is great. But Horstead and Herbert are my two on all. Yeah. You you mentioned that pass blocking thing and it reminded me of that Mark Tressman quote where I think it was just, he said it wrong, but (laughs) they asked him like, what's the most, a lot of things wrong. Oh, no kidding. But they said like, what's the most important thing for running that you look for in running back. And he said, pass pro and people just dragged him for that. But I think what he was saying was like, if you can't do pass pro, you can't get on the field. And that's, that's proof that every coach would say that like you have to get that down. I don't care how good of a running back you are. You have to be able to pass. Bottom line is if you're going to get Justin Fields killed, forget about it. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you can break off a run for. Right. I don't care how dangerous you are in the passing game. If you're going to get that guy, the golden goose slain, you don't get shots. That's yep. that is basic. So I I sort of agree with Tresman that in that particular case, it's hard to say. I well, I, he Tresman. said it wrong. I'm just saying, yeah, I like I think he meant to say it like every other coach says it, which is you're not getting on the field unless you can pass pro. But that just reminded me of that, and I don't know. I wanted to share it. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it around and go on defense here for this this next guy for me, and and I want to I want to see what Roquan does because. I called him out um, this week as a guy that just like had just a good solid game. What we expect of him, 10 tackles, always around the ball. Uh, You know, you know, he had that pass interference call. I understand why it was called. Sure. I don't think that Moreau came back through him. And I think that throwing the ball right at the defender's head, right? Like, I mean, he's in position. He knocks off his helmet. Like, I don't know why we're rewarding that as a defensive penalty. Like, I understand he needs to turn his head around. I need, I understand this, you know, what's being called 
But I just, as a spirit of football, I can't understand why we're rewarding a throw that literally hits the defender. And I just didn't see enough contact. Anyway, my, my point is that he's he's been playing really good football. Mm-hmm. And he has to have some splash plays. I know he's got the pick six already, but he needs to keep stacking those if he wants to get into that first-team all-pro conversation. And if you're going to do that against the fire-breathing dragon that wears number 12 for green and gold, that's how you get on the highlight film, and that's how you start to win the hearts and minds of people across the league. So to me, I would love to see Roquan show out in a big moment here and see if he can have a big signature game against Rodgers and the Packers. I think he's a key in a way that is really more about other players. He's a force multiplier. He is one of the rare sort of third of interior middle linebackers, whatever you want to call them, that can truly take guys one-on-one in the passing game. And we talked about the Packers passing game really going through Adams first as the gate. Now, Desai is going to have to deal with that in whatever way he sees fit. If that's one-on-one, you're the best corner, or if that's double, bracket, triple, whatever it is. The thing that's going to allow you to do that, or quite frankly, the player that's going to allow you to do that is Roquan. Because Roquan can take Tanyan one-on-one. And he can probably take Lazard one-on-one in the short zone areas. Is he going to take him deep one-on-one? Eh, you know, I'd I'd be interested to see. <laughs> It'd probably be closer than a lot of people think. I don't want it to happen eight or ten times a game. I don't think that's a winning strategy on defense. But you're basically freeing up a slot on a lot of plays where you can say, hey, we can rotate Roquan over and he can take Tanyan in that tight set split. Right. We don't need to rotate a corner. We don't even really need to rotate a safety. And then we can rotate either one of those guys to Devante's side to kind of have that over the top coverage again to keep the lid on those yeah. plays. Not every team can do that because there aren't many true middle linebackers that can take intermediate passing threats out of the slot one on one and win the majority of the time inside 10, 12 yards. Roquan can, and he's going to be key to freeing up some other players that you can use, hopefully judiciously, to slow down the rest of the Packers passing game. Yeah, makes sense. Do you have anybody on defense? No, nobody. Roquan? <laughs> no, it's Jalen Johnson for me. He's He's oh. got to play well. We've talked about him. You know, He's been playing at a very high level, and I would say a bit quietly. Like You heard a lot or at least a little about him the first couple of weeks. Last three weeks, you haven't heard anything about him. And typically, that's a good thing. It's kind of like offensive linemen. If you don't hear anything about him, they had a good game. Um, Corners, a little bit the same, but he's, for as well as he's been playing, it's been really quiet the last two or three weeks. I would prefer that it stays quiet if that's going to be the trend for another week. I I don't want to be reading on Monday how he got lit up. And I don't think he will, but he needs to play well. He is the clear alpha in that secondary. He's a clear guy that you can stick on the Island for a few plays a game and consistently say, I think we're going to win that rep. If he doesn't do that, if he has a drop off, uh, the bears are going to have a rough day. If he does bears have a pretty good chance to at least do what we said, which is limit a guy like Adams. So he doesn't go off for, you know, 150 and two scores, which is going to be very tough for the offense to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. That really does run through him. Last guy I wanted to mention was Jakeem Grant. I mentioned him again on Bear and Balance earlier this week as a guy that's like, I, 
I love the aggression. I'm really excited about this guy. Clearly, he is a good returner. Um, I'm just a little worried about a guy that fields a punt three yards deep in the end zone <laughs> and returns it. And again, I know he brought it out to the 17 or whatever, but like, all right, you know, so I, but I do think that this is the time for him to break a big play. I mean, again, when you're an underdog, especially in a series that's been so lopsided. It, it, Bears are going to need a break. They're going to need that defensive score. They're going to need that special team score. Whatever it is, hopefully it's early, and hopefully he can give the Bears that advantage. This is this guy looks like a weapon. I mean, he does look like he's probably going to break one for the Bears at some point. This would be an excellent day for him to choose to do that. Yeah, I think the Bears ran out of rope of saying we can kind of do whatever on returns, right? That we can just we can grab guys. It's almost like you're typically your third running back, right? We can get whoever, we can get a guy off the street, we can get a UDFA, we can keep a guy on a practice squad. We're, we're fine, right? And that's kind of the approach, not Cordero, but other than Cordero Patterson, like that was their approach to the other parts of special teams in the return unit was, well, we just got a guy, we got a bunch of guys that can return. It's kind of like quarterback. <laughs> you got a bunch of guys that can play quarterback. You probably don't have one. Right. You got a bunch of guys that can return. You probably don't have one. And Cordell Patterson is a really good kick return. Great kick return. Not a great punt returner. He's done it a couple of times, but that's not his specialty. Right. And in terms of punt returns, the Bears have been sort of cycling guys out there, hoping they can do it. And they finally said, screw it. We're going to spend a pick. We're going to go get a guy that is a, you know, when I scouted Jakeem Grant, the first position I put in my database was RS, <laughs> right? Return yeah. specialist. Like, yes, right. you can play him at wide receiver, but this guy is an RS, right? And that is his gig. And they finally said, that's it. We're going to invest. We're going to take a six-round pick. We're going to get an RS, and he better R for us. Um, and I think he can. Now, it's going to take a while. It's just like anything else. It's like that receiver-quarterback relationship that we talked about. You got to learn what your blockers are going to do. You got to figure out your teammates on special teams. Hey, you going to take that inside guy? You're going to you're going to take the outside guy. You're going to take the first guy. You're going to leave him for me. You're going to get the second guy. All those things are what stack up to a good return. And, you know, he'll get up to speed pretty quickly. He does that when he gets the ball as well. But he has the ability. I hope we see it this week and, you know, maybe tone down the decision. I I wasn't surprised by it at all. You get oh, really? traded you get traded for as a yeah. return specialist and you're like I'll sh like I will show them I am going to return this ball and you just keep backing up backing up I got it I got it you sort of the I heard a fighter pilot one time say I had my teeth through the floorboards when he made a bad decision right I was going to do it no matter what and Jakeem Grant had his teeth through the floorboards on that one he was he was just he was going to return that no matter what now that's not a great decision and I don't want to see it again but I you know, I'll forgive him in his first week with a new team for trying to impress. Yeah, I mean, he caught that ball in the end zone, and he had to have like looked down and seen the different color paint. You know, the, you know, <laughs> in the end zone, you'd and, hope, and just been like, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm still gonna go because he had that hesitation, and I, yeah. I think he almost did that Devin Hester where he kind of, you know, that like, oh, I'm gonna like just hesitate, the, and then I'm gonna go the and see mini if I rope catch him, yeah. right? Get him to like try to pull off, and I, I'm just, I, I think he's gonna. I'm excited for him to, to take one. And I think this would be a great week. And it bears again, they're going to need, they're going to need juice from somewhere. And I, I think this might be the guy. So I don't want to talk like big picture and talk about this series. I, I put out a data visualization of the bears Packers series this week 
for the people watching on YouTube, we're going to put it up here. Um, so that's a little cue to go there. You can always find this on uh, Twitter. I'm at Gridironborn. If you haven't seen this yet, basically I went through and awarded each game a brick and I built a brick wall and I colored the brick in blue and orange for bears wins green and yellow for Packers wins. There's a few ties way back when those are gray and there's a couple of playoff wins where I give them the inverse color. And it's, it's just kind of interesting to see it laid out, you know, visually with the color to kind of see how this series went. The bears were really dominant in the forties because, you know, that's when they stacked a lot of championships T formation. They actually were really good in the fifties. Lombardi came in really kind of ate a, a lot of that lead away. And then, you know, they were pretty even for a while. Bears in the 80s kind of took the upper hand. And then when Favre gets to Green Bay, I mean, it is so lopsided. It is disgusting. And, you know, 15 years of Favre, this is 16 years of Rodgers. And Rodgers has been worse. Like, Rodgers has been stacking wins like crazy. And I just, I knew that it was going to look bad. But I wanted to kind of see because the <laughs> overall series is so close. It's 101 wins for Green Bay. It's 95 wins for the Bears. And, and I wanted to see what this would look like visually. I'm going to do another one against the Lions so that we can see <laughs> so this. So you can feel better as so a we can, Yeah, cleanser. we can feel better. But I um, I wanted to do this now because I I think that this, you know, this is the time. And if the, if the, t- the tide is going to turn, it's going to turn soon. Now, is it going to be this year? I don't know. It'd be great to at least split with these guys. But Justin Fields is the hope. And Rodgers hopefully won't be in Green Bay next year. I mean, all indications are that he's he's going to be gone. And and so this is the time for us to kind of look at this and say, okay, like this is the last time it's going to look this bad. We need to start stacking some blue bricks on here. So I, I don't know. I just – that's most of my life is, are those green bricks. Mm-hmm. And it's really frustrating because this series has not been a rivalry you know it has been back and forth over the course of 100 years cool but i'm not 100 years old and the time that i have been alive and conscious and watching bears games they go green man and it's not fun and and i'm sick of it and i'm i'm ready for this franchise to start putting some blue bricks up here yeah, first off, I want to say I love this. I, I, I've i loved all your data visualization stuff this year. That's been a great addition. This one's super fun. The The result isn't super fun, but it's a super fun way to look at what's going on. Um, I, you know, I've been a Bears fan since the early 80s, 1983, about halfway through the 1983 season. Um, so I, you know, I had that. I had some enjoyment in the 90s, right? When uh, in an unlikely string you see in this visualization, right? They went on a run, right? They really started to sort of turn the tide back the other way. But after that, you know, Farvin Rogers in succession has been wildly unfair in terms of the balance of this. And honestly, I've felt like for the past five, even six years, People say, oh, it's Bears Packers week. And I'm like, why does that matter? Like, it's not that's not a thing, right? right? It hasn't been a thing for a long time. If you've been paying attention, the Bears have not been competitive. They've stolen a few as the brick show. But in general, that's exactly what it was. They stole it, right? That There are very few of these games where the Bears marched in and took it. Um, And yeah, I don't think that's what's going to happen 
on Sunday. Again, could they win? Yeah. You know, will they win? Maybe. Should they win? Not quite yet. But (laughs) if you take Rodgers away from the Packers, you leave Justin Fields, you start adding some pieces, we're going to, you know, that game day is not far away where we're like, "Mm -mm, Bears are favored in Lambeau, right? Bears should win this game. Bears are on a roll. Packers are stumbling. Like that day is at least you can see it over the horizon from where we're at. And over the last largely 10 to 15 years, that that day has been more of a dream or a wish than an actuality. Yeah. Stealing one is, is probably the best way to put it. I mean, my favorite win is that Thanksgiving day win where uh, Favre's jersey was getting retired and he's in the booth <laughs> and they're just slobbering all over oh Favre this and Rogers this and isn't this great I don't think they said a word about the Bears and lo and behold the Bears win the game they had a goal line stand and Rogers you know goes 0 for 4 you know and um, first and goal throws four incompletions and Bears win and you know it was Thanksgiving. I was watching it in my in-laws who happened, you know, father-in-law happens to be a Packers fan and oh he, he goes to shut the game off and I go, Don't you dare. Yeah. I had hey, to hey, listen hey. to your team <laughs> be talked about for three and a half hours. I might at least get the, the post game here. Um, but that that's what it's been. It's been these yeah. these fleeting, you know, experiences. And and so I just I knew it was gonna look ugly, but I wanted to like put it out there and be like, hopefully this is Maybe not this year, but like let's at least see some progress from Justin Fields and let's appreciate that, you know, hopefully we're going to be turning, uh, you know, changing hands here and, and, and flipping this series and trying to get this back to even to start with and go from there. But yeah, it's Packers week and I dread it because Packers have been just drubbing us for 30 years, but. That's it, man. That's the that's the show. So, uh, what do you, what do you got going on? I mean, this is uh, this is the end of the week for for us. Um, yeah, you know, for the most part, all the content's out there. Uh, but but what else you got going on? Yeah, so this will come out on Friday as it normally does. Uh, bootleg should have dropped either late Wednesday or Thursday, so it will have been out about a day when this lands. Uh, regular week five recap, going through all the highs lows. Uh, we too. I, I got to drop into Bear and Balance this week. That was fun. Uh, we were going to be recording on Monday night, and that got pushed off uh, due to some league news. So uh, I was like, "Hey, I don't have anything to do." Oh, hey, look at that, Bear and Balanced. I'm a subscriber. I got a notification. They're up. I'm going <laughs> to check it out. So I dropped in and got to hang out with you and Lester and Robert a little bit, which was fun. Um, that was great, but um, not. Doing any traveling? Uh, Brett's headed to Cleveland this weekend. I'm a little, a little jealous because he gets to see the Browns and the Cardinals, which didn't look like a great game when he got tickets to it. But now it looks like a oh, pretty darn be a good game. Looks yeah. like a pretty darn good game. So that's going on as well. But uh, just the regular. So bootleg once a week. Um, we're going to be firing up live streams as well. We had one a couple weeks ago with Eric Galco, director of the Shrine Bowl. Uh, we'll be at the Shrine Bowl this year. That's not new. Shrine Bowl's moved to Las Vegas. So every couple of weeks, we're going to try and sneak a live stream in there. Uh, like you said earlier, we're going to fire up our Bears Over Beers live stream for our patrons here pretty quickly. Those will be fun. Um, just casual hangouts where we get to talk ball and drink a beer. Uh, if you'd like, of course, not mandatory that you drink the beer. But uh, other than that, that's what I've got going on. What do you have going on? That's it for this week, man. That visualization's out on, I'm calling it Visualize This uh, is the article name. And then, of course, my 10 thoughts are already out. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's fun to kind of cap the week of content creation with you. Um, and then we'll start 
getting prepped for the next week, man. So it's uh, it's always fun and uh, looking forward to this game. So thanks to everybody for joining us on this episode. Please, you know, go to YouTube, subscribe, um, you know, hit the bell or whatever I'm supposed to say. And uh, <laughs> appreciate everybody. And we'll, we'll see you back here next week and bear down.